I'm Lauren Maxwell, and this is We're All Friends Here. Welcome to Let's Talk, a series of conversations about life's biggest questions. Today, I'm so excited for you to meet my good friend, Alrinthia Carter. Alrinthia is an improviser, photographer, and writer based in Greenville, South Carolina. She's the executive producer and player advocate of Alchemy Comedy Theater, where she teaches improv and created the Black Lady Improv Workshop. She's also served as producer for the New South Comedy Festival and the Greenville Comedy Marathon, where she's worked with comedians from across the country. Alrinthia's photography focuses on the landscapes of the abandoned South. She's devoted to prints, the search for the perfect sandwich, and finally finishing that stack of books on her nightstand. Alrinthia, hi. Hello. I'm so happy that you're here. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be able to catch up with you. At exactly. Least, you know? <laughs> I, yes, it's been far too long, and um, I'm grateful that this got us together, even though we are in the same town. Yeah. Yeah. How are you doing right now? I'm doing pretty good. I think, you know, speaking of routines and rhythms, I think that I've gotten used to this new normal. Like, I guess we can't really call it a new normal anymore. It's just normal. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, in the beginning, it it was pretty hard just because I'm not used to staying at home all the time. I'm used to you know, having things going on. And now my, my days are, I work in one part of my apartment and then I go to the other part of my apartment and, you know, have like my off time. So that was a lot to get used to for me. Yeah. Yeah. And you're this like extroverted, social, amazing being. And what's been getting you through in terms of like, okay, I need to like somehow like either access people or just separate myself from my work day or whatever? Yeah. So um, one of the things that I was doing before all this kind of started going down was I was taking writing classes with um, the Second Second City in, mm. uh, in Hollywood. And, um, and that was just a fun kind of like side activity. Like, oh, I'm interested in television writing. So I'm going to learn about that. I, that's what I've been doing. I've been taking writing classes. I've been writing pretty much every day for the past few months, just, you know, practicing the craft and using that to channel all of my creativity because I can't, I can't perform right now. So, yeah. you know, every weekend I was performing in at least two shows mm. um, over like three nights. So yeah, Now I'm like, okay, I still have this comedy brain that I have to exercise. And so I'm just exercising it in a, in a different way. It's so interesting the way that solitude can like enhance your creative drive. And some people might need other things, but it's cool that for you, it's worked out in that way. But I'm wondering, um, you know, what percentage of your love of comedy and your experience with comedy is sort of lacking without access to an audience? Because that's such an interactive medium. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely, it's very interactive with the, with the audience, you know, doing improv, but it's also super interactive with your, your stage 
mates, you know, your stage partners. Mm-hmm. Um, so much of improv is like, is things that aren't really spoken. Like we communicate with body language, meeting eyes, or, you know, you play with somebody for years, you get to know their personal style and their ways of kind of in- interpreting a suggestion that you get from an audience member. And you can't really match that over Zoom because you aren't seeing like really honest eye contact and Mm -hmm. physical reactions and things. Mm -hmm. That's been a big adjustment for really everybody that's an an active improv performer right now is kind of doing these shows over Zoom, which is sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, I would imagine that not only are you missing that eye contact and missing sort of like those little cues that you're used to on stage, but also there's like the energetic and emotional quality of just sharing a space with someone that is irreplaceable, you know? And um, I think we're all feeling that on some level this year, but when your art form depends on it, I mean, wow. Yeah. Even just physical touch, like, you know, I'm not a huge hugger, but like just the, the concept of touching someone's hand feels so foreign right now to me. (laughs) I know, I know. And that's something I've been thinking about. And I've seen a couple of interesting pieces on, like there was an episode about touch on death, sex, and money. That was really good where people sort of talked about how they were filling that need. You know, this conversation about comedy and because I'm sure it's so fun to connect both with your fellow performers and with the audience members in that way. And I'm just thinking about the whole essential worker thing. And Mm -hmm. I think like we've really come to value these, these roles in our society that aren't necessarily typically valued. And they certainly aren't valued in terms of like how they're paid. You know, a lot of people also like to make the argument that art is essential. And I think we would all agree that laughter is essential. And I just wonder how that has felt for you. And do you have any thoughts on that? Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I was nodding as you were talking and I'm like, she can't see me nodding. I don't know why I'm doing that. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that Comedy is one of those things that is very crucial, but people don't really realize that it's so needed until they really need it. You know, like they, I think people are starting to realize like, oh, I was going to the movies, not just to see this film that everyone's talking about, but it gives me like two and a half hours or whatever, not on my phone. I'm engaged in this and I'm enjoying life for it gives you a break from having to go back out into the real world for a little bit. And mm-hmm. you don't have those escapes anymore. You can't just go to a show. You can't just go to a movie. Um, I guess you can go to a restaurant, but even then you're, yeah. you're distant there. So it's not like you're really letting loose and enjoying it. You're just like, I am here to eat this meal and then I'm going to go home and I'm going to wash my hands and continue with my quarantine life. Exactly. And I think you're right about the escape because for the most part in lockdown, you might be able to find escape through some form of entertainment, but you're still doing that alone or with whomever's in your household in your quarantine pod. And it just goes back to that like... Yeah, that magic of human interaction 
an escape where you're experiencing that and these people are making you laugh and they're playing off of you and they're sharing space with you, just how irreplaceable that is. And I don't know that we were cognizant of that before. Yeah, totally. I mean, one of my favorite stories I like to tell just about performing is, you know, one of my favorite shows we've ever done was on election day, uh, or the day after election day in 2016. It was, Ouch. you know, it was crazy. Everyone on both sides was just exhausted. I think it was probably our, the most emotional election that I've ever, you know, witnessed. Oh my God. Yeah. I was in bed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, at Alchemy, we were having our festival at that time. And that night, you know, it was like a Wednesday night. No one wanted to perform. Everyone was like, oh, my God. But then we realized, like, okay, people are coming to our little basement theater on a Wednesday night because they want to get away from all of the things that are happening out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you, that's a, it's a purposeful, purposeful thing to do. Like, I want to go mm-hmm. downstairs underground to go to this comedy show, pay $10 for an hour of watching people be silly. But we had a packed house that night, you know, and people were really like, thank you for doing this. We really had to get out of the house, you know? Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Yeah. I had a similar experience a few days later because immediately following the election, I mean, I was gutted on so many levels. And just also, I think as a woman understanding and having observed those just deep, (laughs) deeply uh, ingrained levels of misogyny that played a role in that election and all the conversations around it. And um, anyway, I had planned a little dinner party that weekend and I was like, "I I don't think I can do it. I mean, I decided to push through and I'm not always a fan of pushing through. Like I think our society values that way too much. But in this case, it was so good just to gather around a table with other people who felt the same way and uh, yeah, feel that um, solidarity and that sense of support. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just to have somebody that, can reflect what you're saying and you say, you know, this really sucks. And they know it sucks, you know, and you don't have to explain why they just know. They you know. know. Yeah. It's, and it's like being understood, being seen, being that, yeah, there's so much um, value in that. And uh, yeah, that's one reason why I'm glad you're here. And I like doing these conversations is because I think people need this, this feeling of, connecting more this year than we're getting. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think social things are going to be so different now. I mean, I I hope that we at least are able to have some sort of like a social experience, you know, I don't Mm -hmm. know. I think people are going to get more home-based and maybe we'll adapt to that. Mm, Yeah. I'm, I've also thought things are going to be totally different and the only normal, I guess, really is change. It's just that change in this chapter is being so accelerated and intensified that um, it's really striking. And in terms of like how things are different, I've thought a lot about just like things as simple as hugging and touching and just looking at each other's faces without masks. Like, is that going to feel different? Are we going to, is it going to feel natural to hug again? Or are we just going to kind of like is this going to hang on? Yeah. Or maybe those hugs and touches will be more meaningful. And mm. you know that <laughs> if someone yeah. hugs you, 
like they really wanted to hug you like you know like yeah. i hope we don't go back to like i don't know victorian era where it's like no we never like steal a glance or steal like a touch of the hand or whatever yeah. but i feel like it's going to be like people are going to intentionally show more affection and it's not going to be like oh i'm hugging because you hugged me you know uh, <laughs> so. yes or like the acquaintance pat where you're like oh we're friendly and we're acquaintances. Let's do a pet. Like maybe, yeah. maybe we won't do that. But if you hug your friend, it's going to be like, okay, get off me. Like, because <laughs> we're just going to go all in. It's going to be like the too long hug. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be just like, okay, I get it. But all right, we have to go now. Or I have to like wash my hands now or something. Yeah. Right. We're just going to be like, sneak the sanitizer when they're not looking. Like after yes. you've hugged them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've been watching My Brilliant Friend and I just finished the second season on HBO and I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of those books. So I had been holding out on watching the series because, you know, you never know how you're going to feel about it. It is beautiful. The reason I'm telling you this is because there is this scene at the end of season two where um, the two sort of confidants, best friends, I guess, if you will, um, although that term seems lacking somehow. Mm-hmm. Friends, Lila and Lenu, they haven't seen each other for a few years and then they finally see each other and they embrace. And I sat there watching that hug last night and I was just like, um, whoa, you know, like yeah. I, it's hard to even, it was only six months ago and yet it feels a world away. Right. I really do hope it comes back. <laughs> I do too. So now that we've talked this through. Thank you, by the way. That is actually my goal is like the My Brilliant Friend Embrace. Um, I'm going to reenact that uh, whenever I can. Yeah. <laughs> just because you can. Like you can give give those hugs away, you know? Yeah, <laughs> just because I can. And um, okay, so has living through this experience brought up any fears or worries for you that kind of shaped your year or stuck with you? Yeah, I guess... Um it brought up just like, what am I clinging on to, to avoid, you know, taking like really honest inventory of how I'm doing in any sort of situation, like having something or or feeling like you've had something stripped away, because obviously it's not, that's really dramatic to say like, Oh, my, my stage life has been stripped away from me. But Mm -hmm. I think like having that removed it really kind of points out like, okay, you may have been using this to um, distract yourself from the fact that you aren't happy with, with how you're progressing in comedy or how Mm -hmm. you are managing your time or setting up boundaries or, you know, like I was working, you know, several different jobs at busy all the time. And I think a lot of that was really because I was trying to escape from whatever. I still don't really know the full picture, but Mm -hmm. now I can build a life that I don't want to escape from because it's really, I'm the only kind of company I have. So I have to be really comfortable in being by myself, but also being any kind of feelings that that come up. And, Mm -hmm. you know, for me, like, as a person who is in therapy every month and is taking antidepressants, mm. it's it's one of those things where you're like, oh, wow, I'm getting this signal from my body that I didn't know was there before that I'm sure I've been ignoring. Mm. That's a big thing. That's a big deal for me um, to be able to recognize that. 
It is. And it sounds like you've embraced the discomfort in a really meaningful way and tried to learn from it rather than pushing it in the other direction, which is amazing. Yeah. And, you don't have a choice. Yeah. I mean, you just have mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. sit and feel your feelings. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But to shape that into something positive, I think is really admirable, Al, because what I'm hearing is you've taken this time to kind of reassess, okay, out of all those things I was doing, what is really essential to my well-being, my happiness, my creative life, and what do I want to keep going forward? Right. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, I guess the, the hard part of that too is if something intense is happening, like you know, this resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, mm-hmm. all of these things that have happened that have driven this movement forward has, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of like dealing with that by yourself. Like you don't have someone to immediately discuss your feelings on this, about, you know, about mm-hmm. like you see mm-hmm. videos of people dying, you know, or you see people just, you know, in tears, you're by yourself processing Mm -hmm. those Mm -hmm. feelings and you only have social media really Mm. but it it got to a point where for me I had to start avoiding social media because it was just too much it was like Mm -hmm. everyone's emotions are piled on on top of each other because no one else has anybody else to talk to so Yeah, yeah and that kind of platform encourages the highest highs and the lowest lows and I think pre-pandemic if we had seen the resurgence of Black Lives Matter, you would have found yourself in different spaces organically, whether it's socially, at work, in and out, through your day, and the topic would have come up in big ways and small. And I I think you're right. That helps with processing in a way that social media just can't. Yeah. Yeah. Did you think that it was different in the South this time? And, you know, we're in a smaller Southern city. Like, did it feel different to you this summer? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it definitely felt different because people have more time to record how they're feeling. You really got to hear people's thoughts, whether they are good or bad. And that just kind of multiplied when people were protesting and, and taking to the streets. You didn't see all of that. Like I wasn't passing by a protest to go to work. Like I was in my apartment. So you're, you feel almost removed from from all of that too. So it's almost yeah. like it happened, but it didn't happen, but it really did. You know, it's very strange. Yeah. And thinking of people that are, you know, there's still this pandemic that's happening that is, it's killing people, mm-hmm. but you're so passionate about this that, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to put on my mask and I'm going to go and, mm-hmm. and make my voice heard. So there's so many emotions that are surrounding mm-hmm. that, you know, like I, and for me, I didn't, cho- I chose not to participate because I, I just felt like, okay, there are police officers that are on high alert right now. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be another possible victim of someone mm-hmm. who's angry that their control is, is challenged, you know? And mm-hmm. so that was a really scary kind of thought for me. And so I chose to not, but I completely support people who who did do that and I admire mm-hmm. them very much. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I also admire you for um, staying true to your own needs in that moment, because I think there were a lot of conversations that I found kind of moving in, you know, June, July or so about how we all have a role to play in this revolution and don't be afraid to understand your role and to live it out. And I thought that was really encouraging because people who are the the people who tell the stories, there are the people on the front lines, there are the people who make the calls, there are the people who donate dollars, you know, and it's all vital. Right. Yeah. And for some people it was, I'm going to donate, you know, a hundred dollars to a bail fund and I know it's going to go to people who really need it. Um, So, you know, and that's one of the things that I did. So it's such an interesting time in our, in our country and I, you know, I wonder if the people who were active and protesting in like the 50s and 60s, you know, what they're thinking of this, where we're doing this and on top of it, dealing with a pandemic. Uh, the ripples of that have been mm-hmm. really interesting to watch, too. I mean, so many major and minor companies are, mm-hmm. you know, dealing or reckoning with their own kind of problematic behavior. and. Yeah you know, how many CEOs and CFOs have we seen step down from their posts over the last few months because their employees felt emboldened by what's going on to finally Mm -hmm. stand up and say, hey, so I really don't like how you treat me either. And Mm -hmm. while you're not a cop, what you're doing is is creating that much more damage as well. So Yeah. You know, what you were saying about the protest too, it, I found it to be so incredibly moving that people had no choice but to demand change, even though they knew that they would be putting their bodies at risk. And even though you would see that at many protests, it was the protesters who were wearing masks, you know, not the cops. I do have to say that I was very pleased to see the research a few weeks later that was like, oh, by the way, these new outbreaks of COVID aren't coming from protests. They're coming from like careless backyard parties with no masks. Yes. (laughs) So I was like, yes, we did it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's like, okay, you can't scare people from speaking up. Their whole thing is they're coming out of a place of care and love and they're speaking up for their fellow man. So of course they're going to take care of each other. Yeah. Yeah. So So what kind of unexpected sources of comfort or joy have you found any? Um, really for me, it's been, it's been through writing, you know, like I never thought that I would enjoy writing scripts. I love TV. I watch it all the time. You know, I really appreciate comedy on television, but I never thought that I would find myself buckling down for six weeks, writing a script and and doing the work and loving it, you know, like just passing up other activities. Like, oh no, I have to write, you know, and That's awesome. knowing that, yeah, like it feels like it's a new thing, but I've only just had time to make it a, a real, a reality of wow, I'm actually pretty good at this. Maybe this is something I should think about professionally or what have you. And I've, it's been great. Like, I think that's been a new part of myself that I've been exploring and enjoying. Yeah. And what a beautiful silver lining to have found this year. I mean, I think it's amazing. And um, yeah. 
It really is. And it's it's all about the way you choose to look at things. Everyone has their moments, but I have a, a standing Wednesday Zoom date with some mm. of my close girlfriends and that mm. really helps. It's something to look forward to. But, you know, the writing part has been a huge kind of saving grace for me. Also, you mentioned TV viewing and comedy, watching comedy on TV. So what's the best thing you've watched in quarantine? Okay, so I am one of those people that will watch the same shows over and over. So I can watch The Office, and everyone knows I love Frasier more than anyone really should. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I watch it every night. But now I've been checking out, you know, sitcoms and shows that have been produced recently and really enjoying it. So one of the shows I've discovered that's been on for like three years already um, has uh, been Superstore. Um, And it's like... A good old-fashioned, like, sitcom, you know, it's, it's just hilarious and 30 minutes and the writing is so sharp. So there's that. And then I've been kind of catching up on things that I've never seen. Like, I, I watched all of the Lord of the Rings movies that I'd never seen. Um, so that was great. Um, what better time than 2020 to watch all of the Lord yeah. of the Rings movies? Yeah, to watch like a 10 hour, you know, exactly. whatever. It's, it's been crazy, but I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. Um, yeah, we started rewatching The Office um, because one night we just simply, I think it was me actually, I just simply needed a laugh. Like, and I was like, what? is the quickest way I can think of to laugh. And it was that. And then it comes. So here and there, yeah, doing some rewatching. Still funny, it turns out. It's good to have something silly to to watch. and But smart comedy that is silly, but you can see it actually happening. Like none of it is extra or whatever, but it's just finding the humor in everyday life. So I think that's what everyone kind of needs, you know? Yep, yep. That's exactly why I loved... Schitt's Creek and Grace and Frankie. Yes. Yes. I've never seen Grace and Frankie. So that's on my list to check out during this whole situation. It's about like, again, the beauty of relationships, just everyday nonsense. And um, yeah, those were both really good for me. (laughs) Oh yeah, absolutely. You just need to, you need the escape. You You do. You need to see more, Moira Rose and what wig she's going to wear today. And yeah, I need so much Moira in my life. And Dan Levy is amazing. Like, can we just say that? He's amazing. He is amazing. I have such a crush on him. And I love looking at his face. And I'm like, I know that you would never, ever date me. But I just have to tell you that I'm in love with you. And (laughs) yeah. Have you seen his Instagram? I have. And I'm just like. Like early in the pandemic, he was doing some like cooking videos and like things like that and I was like this is so entertaining but just in a like you could be my next door neighbor kind of way yeah have you seen the Jennifer Garner cooking videos no she has a thing and she just started she just started making videos of herself making bread in her kitchen and she calls it pretend (laughs) cooking show and she is so adorable just Singing oh, okay. to her sourdough and <laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna check that out. This is one of the things I watch to you know make. <laughs> I watch as I go to sleep. It's watch Jennifer Gardner making cornbread. Oh, so comforting. <laughs> <laughs> the pandemic totally sort of broke down food media and what we all wanted and what we all consumed, and yeah, it, yeah and like over the past you know decade or so, the kinds of 
food TV shows, the kinds of um, things that were being produced were so much more like out of reach to the everyday person than what we ended up watching during quarantine. And like my personal example of this is like for the first few weeks of lockdown, David Chang was making videos of himself cooking and it would be like, he would be cracking eggs with one hand and then he'd be like, Oh shit. I just broke the yolk because he's like only using one hand. Like it was just so (laughs) unbuttoned. It was so casual. It was so fun. And I became like, hooked. Like, yeah, every couple of days I would look to see like, okay, what's Chang cooking today? I love that. Yeah. It, yeah. it was what we needed, you know? Yeah. And, and cooking is comfort. So you need that comfort from people. And um, I mean, I feel like people who have cooking shows or are cooking like videos, they're always very calm. Like, I don't know if you've seen the videos of Tabitha Brown. Um, no. She is this woman who just started like she started her vegan journey and she started making TikTok videos of her talking about different things that she was trying. And she has like this really calm way of speaking. So you could see her on like Facebook watch or whatever. And I think she just got like a deal for an actual show. But she like, she's a black woman in like her mid forties and she's just like discovering all of these vegan things. And she was like, yeah, like I love macaroni and cheese, but I found this macaroni and yeast. Yeah. I'm going to have to check that out because, yeah, a little Zen everyday cooking. I, I mean, that sounds delightful. Yeah, absolutely. And did you see Ina Garten's like fishbowl cosmopolitan? Yes. And I loved it. I loved it so much. <laughs> and I was just like, she doesn't even care. Like, she's like, and she's like the epitome of like a really wealthy woman who really yeah. has nothing else to do. And so like, <laughs> I would love, I love the idea of just being in my mansion, drinking a whole shaker's worth of cosmopolitans by myself and yeah. making fancy dinners for my, my husband. I know, I know. And I just loved her whole like, yeah, casual quarantine cooking because it's such a departure from like her TV life and her Food Network shows and stuff. Yeah. She's like, you know what? We're all trapped inside. I sometimes I just want to have a big old glass of Cosmopolitan. <laughs> yeah. We're all trying to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> have you have you learned anything about yourself that you didn't know before? Hmm, that's a really good question. I think... Well, one, I can entertain myself, obviously. Mm. Um, that's a big that's a big thing. But I've been able to put into practice all of like the real self-care that I've learned over the past couple of years of being in therapy. And it's not mm. even just like, oh, let's take a nice shower or whatever. It's like, no, when I feel stressed, I need to get in my bed and uh and specifically eat um gummy peaches. And watch uh, Frasier. <laughs> oh my god! Like the like the peach rings. Yeah, like the peach rings. I like the Haribo the peach like peach yes. slices. So weird. I have like this expertise in this, but there's the trolley peach rings, and then Haribo has peach like okay slices. You can only find them at the CVS. It's crazy. Okay, <laughs> good to know. I feel so yeah. set up for success now. Yeah. Yeah. You, you may get a little bit of sugar in your bed, but it's fine. <laughs> it, it's fine. Yeah. It's like fairy sprinkles for a good night's sleep. Yeah. So that's your ultimate self-care technique. And just Love listen it. to my body. Like if I'm, yeah, you, you get to listen to what your body's signals are telling you and what mm-hmm. you need from, from it. So that's mm-hmm. my biggest lesson. That's awesome. 
if the pandemic were to magically end tomorrow, what would you go do first? Oh, I would definitely go and perform on stage. Like I, I am waiting. We're all waiting for that chance. And we, we've totally accepted that, you know, when we are able to return to performing live, our first few shows are going to suck so hard (laughs) because we're so like punch drunk at like being in each other's spaces again. Yeah. Yeah. But the joy is going to be so great. And so we're always even matter. What's your go-to pandemic dinner? Because like, I'm really tired of cooking. I don't know about you. (laughs) So I am so boring, but uh, my go-to has been um, Trader Joe's has this everything spiced um, smoked salmon. Mm. And I have been like, I get like a slice of that and I get a English muffin and I put regular cream cheese on it. And that is like the most luxurious thing for some reason that's brilliant (laughs) yeah yeah and that also reminds me like I think on some of these nights when I don't want to think about dinner I need to be turning more often to the sandwich yeah sandwiches are my favorite food so I will always be going for a sandwich you have inspired me I usually think of it at lunch but um yeah (laughs) I know I'm down (laughs) Al, it's been so good to talk to you. Thank you for being here with us. And uh, I wish you well. And I just, you know, hang in there, take care, um, eat those gummies. And I can't wait to see you on the other side of this. Yes, we're going to have a great time. And we'll have a, a, we'll have a super brunch for old <sighs> time's sake. And uh, it'll be great. Uh, there's brunch and then there's super brunch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening today. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to We're All Friends Here. You'll get an email once a week on Saturday mornings with an essay or a conversation about the struggle and the beauty of being alive. Take care out there and I'll see you next time.